Welcome to the podcast for Refuge City Church. We hope that the message today blesses you and inspires you to be a refuge that embraces others. This morning, I'd like you, if you would, to turn to Genesis chapter 24. I'm going to read um, about 14 verses of Scripture. This is a powerful story. And um, it's kind of a, kind of a, it's definitely a historical story. Obviously, a true story written in the Pentateuch, the five books written by Moses. And it's a story about Abraham um, about ready to, to leave this earth. He's about to die. It says that in Scripture, that his days are, are coming close. He's about to die and exit this earth and go to be in the glory with the Lord. And he wants to take care of his son. His son has yet to find a wife. How many know that all of us men in here, the best thing that could happen to us is to find a good wife? Can I hear an amen? I'd like to say the best thing that could happen for wives is they get a good husband, but we're basically all the same, so you get what you get. We'll move on. We'll move on for that. But the other way around, we really hope for that. Us guys hope for that. So um, all the guys are looking at me like, I'll get you later, Pastor. But they know it's the truth. They know, we all know it's the truth. Um, but anyway, um, Genesis chapter 24, this morning, doing it right. Doing, doing it right. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, this is the number two man. Many of you know there was a hierarchy. We know that to be the case um, with Joseph. How many of you know Joseph was the number two guy in Potiphar's house? And then that kind of blew up. And then he became the number two person over all the kingdom. Joseph did. So Abraham had a similar kind of hierarchy in, in his servants and um, in, in his staff. And this is, he calls in the most, probably the most loyal and faithful. He calls in probably his best friend, to be honest with you. And he says to, to this gentleman, he says, who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh. This is very serious. First of all, that's an intimate act, but it's also a binding act in the culture at this time. This is, if you do this, then you will fulfill what's being asked of you, okay? And I will make you swear to the Lord that the God of heaven and the God of the earth that will not take, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Many of you know God moved Abraham to the land, to a different land, the land of the Canaanites, and he wanted Isaac to marry from his own people to, to protect the culture and, and not intermingle in that. So he says this in verse 4. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Uh, hello. <laughs> How am I supposed to do this? this guy, he's kind of pushing back. You want me to go to a strange land, meet someone I've never met and say, hey, come with me. I got you a husband. So <laughs> maybe some girls, will, I don't know. Never mind. We'll go on. Okay. Just. It's kind of powerful how God's working here. Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? So he thought it was a good idea. Hey, can I take your son? He's kind of a good looking guy. He doesn't say that, but you know, at least she can check him out. They can have a little thing. Then we'll bring him back and everything's good. And, um, but Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. No, do not take him. So basically this is an arranged marriage that's absolutely blind. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants I give this land. He will send his angel 
before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. How many of you know the word says that many times there are angels among us? Yep. This is powerful. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed from all his master's goods were in his hand. So he was taking basically the dowry or taking the payment. Everybody understand that culturally. He was taking probably gold and fine linens and all of that um, um, to, to get Isaac a wife. Okay? For all his master's goods were in his hand and he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Naor. And he made his camels kneel down beside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women would go out to draw water. That's pretty good. That's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, chit-chat, tick-tock, whatever. He's going to, that's good. Okay, whatever. Verse 12. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day. So he's praying at the well. And show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be, this is where, this is where I want you to focus today. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. This is important. Okay, I'll get to that in a minute. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So basically the servant puts a fleece before the Lord. He's been guided by an angel to this well. And he says, let me know that it's her because she's going to voluntarily ask to get water for all my camels. Okay? And it happened. Verse 15. We're going to go ahead and read a little longer, I decided. And it happened before he had finished speaking that, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Machal, and wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they're finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water and drew for all of his camels. Now that's 10 camels. That's important. And the woman or excuse me, and the man wondering at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets from her, from her wrist weighing 10 shekels of gold and said, whose daughter are you? Tell me, please. Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? We're going to stop there, but the story goes on. And basically, this is the connection between Isaac and Rebekah that that's still going on to this day, generation after generation. What, what's significant about this for us this morning, this Old Testament passage? How many know there are times in our lives when the Lord wants us to do something for him that we may miss because we're doing our own thing? Yeah. It's my opening thought. How many times, and I, I say this to myself personally, but to all of us, how many times have I been doing my own thing, going to the well, I'm busy, 
I've got lots of stuff to do. And there's an opportunity for me to have a divine appointment. There's an opportunity for me to be a testimony. How many love the worship this morning? For me to be a testimony or testify of the Lord. But because I'm focused in on doing my thing my way, I miss what God's got divinely orchestrated that he's pre-assigned for me to do. I think if all of us would admit we probably had those instances and then later thought, man, oh, Anybody in here ever missed an opportunity in God? God, if you'll give me that one more time, I won't blow it next time. Any besides me out there, okay? Obedience to the leading of the Spirit is probably the thing that will bring a person more reward and satisfaction in life than anything else. So I want to read that again. Obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience Obedience to the leading of the Spirit is probably the thing that will bring a person more reward and satisfaction in life than anything it will also, listen to, the, listen to this in obedience, it will also validate and prove God's involvement and impartation in the lives of his people on earth. How many of you know that God wants, everybody, everybody look up here, elbow the person next to you and say, it, it's, the pastor's about ready to give you a good story, you need to hear it. Okay. How many of you know the reason why God orchestrates divine appointments with his people is so that other people can see who he is? It's not necessarily for us, it's for his impartation to come into their lives with a wow moment so that they can really know that God loves them. First and foremost, how many know First John says God is love? Yeah. That God loves them and cares about them and notices them even in their situation. Yeah. This last couple of weeks, I was with some dear friends in Utah and I was spending some time camping and last Sunday, I was privileged, I was asked by, by one of the the gentleman to do devotion, to do a devotion for all of the family up there. And so Sunday afternoon, we all gathered. It was about 2.30, and, and I got to present a devotion to these dear friends that have been in my life for almost 20 years. And to start out the introduction, you can't just say, hey, this is so-and-so, and now he's going to tell us all about God, and you need to listen. So he, he did it really cool. My friend Brian, he did it really cool. He said, I want to tell you a little bit about Pastor Jim and why I've asked him to do our devotions today on the Lord's Sabbath. And he said, I want to tell you a story. And it was so compelling and so powerful. I've heard it a couple of times, but the way that he told it last Sunday and watching his family and extended family listen to it and seeing them realize how individually in obedience God can change our plans if we'll just do what he says when he says to to do it. So Brian started out and he said, I want to introduce one of my dear friends to you, Pastor, Pastor Jim Boyd, and he's going to do devotions. But before I do, I want to tell you some of the connection and one particular story about Pastor Jim. And it really wasn't about me. I, I was like a little blurp at the end, but it was more a testimony of what we're talking about here. And he said, I, I had a meeting. So he lives in Utah. He flew to Atlanta, Georgia, about four or five hours from Atlanta He had a meeting, he's a businessman, he had a meeting with a bunch of individuals and he met with them and the meeting went way into the day and way later than he thought. And finally at 10 o'clock at the meeting, he has to catch a red eye back in Atlanta to fly back to Utah and he finally said, I I got to go, (laughs) we're done talking, you know, that's kind of how he presented it. So he got in the car and he realized that he was going to be fatigued for the four hour drive back to Atlanta. So he wanted what every powerful, awesome guy wants. He wanted a monster or a Red Bull, but specifically he wanted a monster to make it. And so 
he realized he was in a little community, a little town, and they knew of one gas station, and he's driving down the, the freeway, the interstate, and he gets to the gas station, and he starts to turn, and he cannot turn. Something says, do not turn here. And he has this argument with God. He knows what's going on, and he says, God, it's one monster. One monster's not going to kill me. I, I really just need a monster to get me through. And he can't turn, and so he keeps driving about 35 to 45 minutes later, all of a sudden, he feels this impression, and it's kind of a, a ranch exit, just, just an exit off the freeway, and he feels this overwhelming. He's telling this story last week. He goes, I, I knew that I knew that I had to exit on this exit, and he said, the wheel, and we, I went up the exit, and I stopped at the stop sign, and he said, if you know anything about Georgia, one of the things in this particular area of Georgia is there's pine trees everywhere, and there's clusters of them, and it's it's like 12.30, 1 o'clock at night. It's totally dark now. And he goes, I look to the right. And he goes, there's no lights. And I look to the left. And there's one little like street light and a glow over there. And, and he says, you want me to go to the light, God? Okay, I'll go to the light. So he turns. <laughs> this is him saying this. He turns and he goes over the overpass. And when he does, he sees the Shell Station emblem. And he's like, don't know why I couldn't have a monster back there. But get one here. So he pulls into the parking lot. As he pulls into the parking lot, this is when it gets very deep. He says, when I pulled into the parking lot, there was a man sitting on the trunk of the vehicle. He had both hands on the trunk, and he was very distraught. And at the front of the vehicle was a really, really nice young lady, and she had been crying. I could tell she had been crying and didn't want to get involved. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. It, I kind of sensed maybe they were in a conflict, didn't exactly know the details. So he goes, I'm just going to mind my own business, go in and get my monster, because God finally let me exit to get a monster. So he says he walks in, he walks up to the counter to the cashier, and just as he's about to lay his monster down, that young lady steps forward and lays 27 cents on the counter and says, can we just get 27 cents worth of gas? So we can keep going. And the lady at the register says, sweetheart, I really, really would like to help you. But I have to at least have what it would take for a full gallon. I, I just can't release 27 cents worth. I can't do it. So my friend, friend Brian reaches up and puts his hand on her shoulder and says, do you need some help? And she turns around and she goes, yes, I really need some help. My didn't know who it was, but her, whether it was husband or whatever, um, we, we forgot our wallets. We, we just wanted to come down and see the coast, and, and we don't have enough. We've got money, but we don't have enough to get back to the hotel, and, and we're stuck, and we're stranded. And, and he said, not a problem. So he turned to the, to the lady at the cash register. He held up his monster, and he said, I'll pay for this and pay for a full tank of gas. And he said, would you go tell your your husband, your boyfriend, whatever, to go fill the car up. So he moved around, and Brian waited and paid for their gas. No big deal, he thought. And he walked and got into his car, and he opened his car door, and he put his monster in. And when he looked back up just before he sat down, the gentleman was briskly coming at him across the parking lot. So he closed the door to the rental vehicle, and, and he met him around the corner. And, and the man walked up and said, I just want you to know 
thank you so much for helping us. I have money. I, I have the money to pay you. Just let me have your address, whatever. I will mail it to you. It's not like we're delinquent or anything. I've got the funds. We, we were just in a bad way. And Brian said, absolutely, positively not. You're not going to steal my blessing now. I, I don't need to give you my address. You don't need to send me anything. This, this, is, this is just, just pass it on. This is what he said as he was introducing me to do devotions last week. He said, just pass it on. Do something kind for somebody else some way. What was interesting that grieved, grieved him, and he told this in the story, and I want to re- rewind just a little bit. He was sitting at the, waiting at the cash register for the, for the final total to come in, and the, the teller the lady behind the counter looked at him and said, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> and Brian went, no, no, I'm not. And she said, I, I knew that. And she said, and here's the reason why nobody from around here would have done what you just did. And Brian said, he smiled at her and said, well, they should, and I'll be praying for all the people from around here. <laughs> and, and she said, God bless you, so... Fast forward back to the original story. The gentleman said, thank you. And he turned and got about 15 steps away. And he turned around and he said, can I ask you one more question, sir? And Brian said, yeah. And he said, do you believe in God? And Brian smiled and said, absolutely. I believe in God. And he said, well, I do too now. He said, I've been sitting on my bumper, praying for the last three hours, someone would come and help us. And you came. (laughs) So he got in his vehicle and he made it to the overpass and his phone started to ring at 1.30 in the morning and guess who it was? It was me. I had gotten up, I was in my office at home, and the Lord said, you need to call Brian. I hadn't talked to Brian in months. You need to call Brian, and you need to call him now. And I said, okay, is there something specific we want to say to Brian? Before I just call at this late hour and say, hey, bud, what's up? God had me call. Instantly, the Lord said, I just want you to tell him, which I do this a lot anyway. He said, I just want you to tell him, that he's awesome and I'm proud of him. So he said his phone started to ring. He looked down and he realized it was me. And he, he, answered, he answered the phone. And, and he said, I pulled out. And he said, I was so upset. He said, I got emotional. He says, God, I could have missed it. Had I wanted to selfishly stop and get the monster at the gas station, I knew I would have missed an opportunity to be a testimony. Remember the worship? To be a testimony for you. And I would have blown it. I would have missed it. And he, he was saying that prayer. He was repenting to God. And the phone rang. And he said, Pastor Jim, how are you? Why are you calling me so late? And I said, before we go any further, Brian, I have to tell you, God asked me to call you. And he wants you to know that you're awesome. And he's proud of you. <laughs> I didn't hear much more of what Brian said. Over the course of the next few moments. And finally he said. Pastor Jim let me gather myself. I'll call you tomorrow. And I'll I'll tell you what just happened in my life. It was powerful. And I said no problem. I hung up and I went back to bed. He told that story last week. 
And, and it made me think of, of doing it right. You know, one of the things that I think all of us as believers in Christ Jesus desire to do more than ever is do it right. Can I hear an amen? How many of you have ever thought of that and desired that? This morning, there are some quick principles that I want to leave from you from this text that I think exemplify the unquestioning, obedient nature of Rebecca that not only blessed her life, but it'll bless us as well. Here's the first thing I want to show you this morning. Don't allow your schedule to hinder God's blessing. How many think she was on a schedule? She had evening. How many know there, most of the work is done at the, in the daylight hours? They're not to be out at night. Bad things happen at night, especially for a young woman that's beautiful and never been with a man. You know, things, things would happen. So she's on a schedule, probably a tight schedule. How many, how many of you know that probably there's some older women waiting for the water to get the meal on at home and they're expecting her to be chop, chop, chop? Anybody in here? lived life, and you're on a schedule, and it's chop, 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 okay? So one day, Rebecca is getting water, and she meets this elderly man who asks for a drink. Well, that's not a big deal. So she draws her five gallons of water. It's, they were usually in a five-gallon pitcher bucket with a, with a rope. She's carrying this five gallons back to her home to prepare the meal and have, have um, hydration for the evening, so forth and so on, and she's carrying it, and this older man runs up to her and says, hey, can I have a drink of your water? So she lowers it probably carrying it like this. That's how they did it on their head or wherever. She lowers it and puts it in her hand and and he takes a drink. Then she does something that's going to put her whole schedule off. It's going to mess everything up and it's probably going to tick people off at home. How, How many understand? I'm not trying to read into it, but it's going to happen. And I'm going to tell you why it's going to happen. Because then she looks at him and she says, could I... Get water for your... Now, now this is a big deal. And, and in doing some investigation on this and some study, do you realize that one camel, one camel when they're thirsty, can drink 20 gallons of water? You can look it up. Don't Google it now. Some of the kids are wanting to. They're already on it. Don't do it now. <laughs> So if you do the math, I did the math. Here's the math. 10 camels at 20 gallons each mean 200 gallons drawn with a five-gallon jar. That equals 40 trips to the well. 40 trips to the well at 30 minutes equals two hours. Is she in trouble or what? (laughs) So however long it took her, that's my math, but however long it took her because... The prayer that he prayed was not just she would offer to, to, to get water for the camels, but she would also get the water to show her heart of being a servant. That's what he prayed. And she did that. She produced that. How many know we have to go when he says go? We have to go when he says to go. I think this is a, a really powerful thought that not only did she, it would, be, it would be all of us in this world that are chop, chop, chop and in a hurry all the time. How many of you know sometimes we need to slow down so that we don't miss the divine plan of God? So she 
lowers the pitcher, gives him a drink, looks over at the 10 camels. We know that they're laying down and says, I'll spend the next two hours watering your camels as well if you would like me to. Hmm. Here's the next thought. Doing his will always will bring a reward. How many are thankful for that? I think it's interesting. Little did she know that her actions were the answer to the servant's prayer and the plan of a sovereign God. It kind of goes to me with the, with the gentleman that's praying on the trunk of his car at 1 or 1.30 in the morning for somebody to come by and help them. And God will always fulfill a plan. All she did, listen to this, all she did was do what she felt she should do. But in so doing, she became the bride of Isaac. Wow. How many of you know this morning that small opportunities bring big dividends? Small opportunities bring big dividends. So many times we think that doing something for the Lord has to be this great, grandiose, huge thing that we're going to have an angelic course from heaven come down and go, Josiah, I want you to go over here. (laughs) How many think that would be cool though? Come on, I'm not trying to be funny with that. I mean, God, don't be vague, you know, just... If you had an angel sing to me, I would do it. I, I, I'm just telling you right now, I, I, will, I will go where you want me to go. I will know then. But a lot of times, it's just in the matter of doing life and letting Christ shine from you that the biggest thing happens through you. It's not in the grandiose things. It's not in this, we're waiting. A lot of times people come to me and they say, Pastor Jim, I've been praying for God to use me and God to do something in me. And I've just been waiting and waiting and nothing seems to happen. And I'm like, what are you waiting for? And they look at me and go, that's why I'm here. And I'm like, I can help you a little bit, but just do something. Small opportunities Bring big dividends. I just wonder what would have happened. I, 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 listen to this. I just wonder what would happen if every Christian took seriously the command to be a witness and a disciple and an example of Christ in the small things that assist and lead people to him. Not the big things. Just the little things. Letting someone take a place in line. How many know that, that's not even happening today? That's not even happening. I'm going to talk a little bit about this in the morning, but I'm telling you right now, I have interceded in prayer for the people in the freeways of Salt Lake City because they're animals. They are animals. Hear me. Look into the screen. They are animals. (laughs) And I, and I, I say that to say this. Sometimes just slowing down. Just, I'm not in that big of a hurry. Would you like to take, could I, could I help you? Can I do something for you? 27 cents on the counter. How many know that's a sign? It's amazing what we could accomplish if we just did it. This, this statistic may grieve you a little bit. It kind of did me, it did me somewhat. But how many of you, how many of you in here, please, please, please respond. I'm asking you to respond. How many of you in here in your life have had a Coca-Cola product? Okay. So... Some of you haven't raised your hand, so either you don't know what I questioned or whatever, so we'll try to get. How many of you in here have had a Coca-Cola product? Okay, you've had one. Okay, so I, I, I want to share something with you, and, and this is kind of interesting, just kind of a fun fact. Coca-Cola could win the world for Jesus if they just served the right product, which would be Jesus. They really could, and I'm going to tell you why. 
Statistics recently given by the Coca-Cola company are as follows. More than 1.9 billion servings of Coca-Cola product are enjoyed in more than 200 countries every day. 1.9 billion Coke products of some nature are enjoyed in more than 200 countries in the world every day. In 2021, the Coca-Cola company's net operating revenue worldwide amounted to 38.66 billion U.S. dollars. Listen to this. This is when it gets serious. 97% of the world has heard of Coca-Cola. 97% of the world. 78% of the world has seen a can of Coca-Cola. 62% of the world has tasted a can of Coca-Cola or a Coca-Cola product. Here's the startling fact. Here it is. Everybody look up here. Coke has only been around for a little over 100 years. If God had, if God had given the task of world evangelism to the Coca-Cola company, we'd probably all be in heaven right now. <laughs> and I'm not saying that to be a heavy. I, I'm just saying... That if we would stop marketing our own agenda and start marketing his agenda and doing it right, it'd be amazing what God could do through us. Here's the second thing this morning. When you give, you always get back. Give and it shall be given unto you. Here's the first thought under this. How do you measure up? Dum, 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 dum. Give and it shall be given. Oh, great. I just knew he was going to talk about money. I'm not talking nothing about money. I'm just talking about you showing Jesus to a bunch of hurting lost people that need to know who Jesus is. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 2. I love this. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Everybody look at this verse of scripture. With the measure you use. So if you use little, little teeny tiny cup. Jesus is saying you're going to get a little, little teeny tiny cup. But if you use a fifth wheel barrel, God will give you in return. How many want big blessings? Come on, this isn't a trick question. For many of us, this is scary. We set the standard of what we receive by what we give. Everybody hear that? Many of the standard of what you receive is based on what you give in your life. What you take time for. Rebecca gave more than she was asked and received back more than she could have ever expected. Listen to this. This is the big fact. You know why? Because she became the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that's a pretty good dividend? She gets to sit up there like all Grammys in heaven and go, yeah, I did that right there. That's a product of me giving some camel something to drink. No big deal. (laughs) Pastor Jim, you got to be, I just read it in scripture. Because she chose to be obedient in a small thing in a moment, God used her legacy and her destiny nine greats later to birth in a little virgin, the savior of the world. Wow. Wonder what we could do. Listen to this. One lady, how many know who D.L. Moody is? One of the most powerful. 
One lady criticized D.L. Moody for his methods and passion for being a blessing and ministering so boldly to the lost of the world. She said this about him when she confronted him. You are too intense. You're too loud. I fit that one in there. You're too intense. You're too loud and unrealistic about your love for the lost and seeing people come to Christ through your life. Moody replied, his reply was interesting. He said this, I agree with you, ma'am. I don't like the way I do it either. I, I guess I am a little too intense and loud. Tell me how you do it. This is the response the lady gave. gave. Well, I don't choose to do it at all. They can find the Lord in their own way, in their own path. Moody smiled and retorted. Then, madam, I definitely like my way of doing it a whole lot better than your way of not doing it. I'm going to let that one settle for just a few moments. Instead of us criticizing other people, other groups, I'd rather them be doing something than us criticizing them and doing nothing. Here's the next. Generous giving blesses everyone around you. Do you realize when you give, it blesses? So my originating story that I opened up with my friend Brian, it was really interesting to see one specific person that was sitting in the group. There was a lot of people in the circle last Sunday when I gave the devotions, but the powerful part was his, his, his story because there was a young man by the name of Cam that was sitting two people over from me Cam's just recently had a brand new baby with his wife, which happens to be Brian's eldest daughter. And he had never heard the story before. And to watch him start to realize what he could do. When Abraham's servant revealed who he was, he brought out all the gold, you can read it, he brought out all the gold articles and, and all of the wealth, and he gave them to Rebekah. Listen to this. But he also gave precious things to her family. Isn't it amazing that your choices and your obedience and your testimony and your light for Christ won't only bless you, but it'll bless those that are closest to you. It'll change their life. The blessing you give will also overflow into the lives around you. I was thinking about this. I wonder what would have happened if certain people wouldn't have been willing to give. What if Noah said, I don't do boats? Sorry, <laughs> right, God. I'm... We always assume. See, this is the problem. This is, this is the problem in the church. Somebody else. Well, if Noah wouldn't have done it, God would have just found. Somebody else. So it's not on me. You're laying a big old heavy, Pastor. But how many of you know the blessings that Noah and his family got? What if Noah would have said, I don't do boats? What if David would have said, I don't do, do giants like Goliath? Just don't do them. 16 years old, I just don't do Goliaths. Here's a powerful one. What if Mary had said, I don't do virgin births that mess up my wedding? All of you ladies, I want you to think about it. <laughs> God, I love you. Thanks for sending me the angel, but I'm getting married here. Do you know the scandal this is going to cause? So you need to pick somebody else because I've had this dream. Ken and Barbie, we've played together. 
and I'm going to wear a white dress, and now I'm not going to wear a white dress. And, and I, I'm not trying to be facetious or silly, but had Mary said, hmm, what if Paul had said, I don't do letters to a bunch of churches? And here's the most powerful one of all. What if your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, said, I don't do crosses and ultimate sacrifices? I want you to think about that. I, I, I don't do that. You see, a lifestyle of generous giving will outlive you and bless those you're willing to touch around about you. The real question this morning is, are we willing to slow down life enough to hear God's plan for us and to be obedient to his will? Here's the last one this morning. When it's God, you'll know it. When it's God, you'll know it. I uh, found something out. Google Maps is demonically possessed. just thank you for that that encouragement that acknowledgement if you've ever used google maps in a city yes. that's the only time in my entire life i've ever wanted to roll my window down and throw my phone in the middle of traffic driving into salt lake city I-80 turns into 215 that eventually turns into 15 that goes to 36 that rolls over into I-75. That's an exaggeration, but it is ridiculous. Yes. We're in the middle of traffic. I look like the Clampets from the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> I've got a full-size 3,500 Dodge Cummings with a side-by-side on top of it and 34-foot of trailer. I'm loaded to the gills and nobody cares. You just can't get that thing over like you can a little Fiat. You understand what I'm saying? It takes a couple football fields at 75 miles an hour to move that sucker. And then the GPS. That's not the only problem. My son has praised an app. I believe apps have a demonic influence as well. <laughs> but my, my dear son has praised an app entitled Onyx Maps that in the woods helps you find yourself, which some of us need to do. Can I, can I hear an amen? amen? And then it's supposed to lead you to a certain waypoint or a certain spot. So on the second of the last night, my friend Brian's father, his name is Lynn, came up and there was a a pond that was getting hit by elk and and he said pastor jim why don't we go in together and if a if a big bull comes in i'll shoot it i didn't have a big bull tag but if a another elk comes in you can have it and i said man that's a good idea so i step i step out of my step out of my vehicle my my side by side on the mountain and i open that up and i open the app that my son says is the most glorious thing that's ever been created in all of mankind i don't feel that way So I swipe it up, and right off the bat, I don't have any service, so it says offline. Now, I've learned something with offline. Offline means it has no clue where you're at, where you're at. It has no clue where you want to go, and it's going to send you a mile and a half out of the way. 
So I'm holding it out like this. None of you have ever done this. And please, I don't recommend doing this in the woods. So I'm holding it out in front of me with Lynn standing beside me. We're going through chokeberry brush that's 12 feet tall. That's impenetrable. I got scratches and bruises everywhere. You don't want to see them. <laughs> Coming back, I fell twice because it rained and I slipped on logs. Just want to tell you, my back is totally healed now like it never was before. Finally, I'm in a deep, dark canyon coming up the other side, and Lynn taps me on the so shoulder. He taps me on the shoulder. So cute. Taps me on the Older man in his 70s. He's going. <laughs> he says, I just have one question, Pastor Jim. Just, just one question. I said, sure, Lynn. What's that? He goes, you have no clue where we're going, do you? <laughs> I said, that's a great observation. Very, very good observation. <laughs> it says it's over here. He says, Pastor Jim, if you don't mind, that's the fifth time you've said that to me. <laughs> We finally found this pond, this secret, secret pond, only to find somebody had gotten there 20 minutes before we did. <laughs> Come to find out, I was 0.64 miles from this particular location the whole time. And then in researching the app, if I had turned the app on while I had service, it would have worked while I was offline. Pastor Jim, what's the deal with that? You know the problem with why we're not following the Lord when he tells us to do something is we're spending too much time in the things of this world and we're offline. We need to turn some stuff off so that we can turn on the presence of the Holy Spirit so that we can get back online with his plan and not the world's agenda and not what's frustrating and aggravating us and stealing our anointing and stealing our witness and stealing our testimony. That needs a big amen. Amen. Mm. We never have to worry that God's positioning system will give us bad directions. Can I hear, can I hear a big amen? Amen. But here's a couple of things I want to end with this morning as Pastor Colton comes. The first one is, you have to get into his word. In church, we hear it a lot. The statistics say that the majority of Christians don't read their Bible even once in a week. Not even once. Occasionally, they'll be attached to something on social media that'll bring a verse across their phone but it's random, and it's not something that they're doing specifically and strategically. I want to share something with you. If you want to know what God's up to in the world, you don't need to watch the news or anything else. You need to get into your word, and you will know what God's doing. You'll get it. It's impossible to know the right directions unless we read and hear them. Everything we need is already there in God's roadmap for our life. It all works perfectly as long as we follow His directions and we obey him here's the next one we need to pray and seek him like we never have before can i hear an amen, amen. the bible says that if we search for him we will god doesn't hold back on letting us know his desires and plans for us if we're willing to be sensitive to his leading and seek him and here's the last one we need to stay close to him and I added one since the notes were sent. We need to stay close to him and know how to use it. What do I mean by that? All of my problems could have been solved if I would have read the directions 
before I got to the problem. Wonder how many situations in my life could have been resolved if I would have read God's directions before I got to the problem. If I would have read the fine print in the app, I need an amen. I wouldn't have roamed around aimlessly in rock canyons of Utah. And what was really bad is we get back to camp and we're sitting there and one of the kids in camp go, Pastor Jim, did you read that? The, if you, it, here, let me show you, Pastor Jim. It's right here on my phone. I don't even want to see your phone. I don't want to see another phone for a long time. Then I had to apologize to get my witness back. I mean, we need to stay close to him. And the reason why we need to stay close to him is we'll know what to do when he tells us to do it. And we'll know how to use his presence, his witness, his testimony, and his glory when we're supposed to. Give me an amen. Amen. We should listen when he tells us what he wants us to do. When we stay close to him, we can hear his whisper, we can hear his voice, and we can feel his presence. I close with Psalms 32.8. It says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. How many know that's truth today? Stand with me this morning. I just feel led to do this this morning. I know this I know this message was about being a witness and being a testimony and letting our light shine and and just those moments when God can use us and we have to slow down and, and get rid of our own agenda so we can be used. But there's, there's some of you here this morning. Maybe, maybe you're a guest. Thank you for being here. We honor you. Maybe you've been here for a long time. But today's the day where you, you've, heard, you've heard these thoughts today and you're like, I, I need to change my path. I need to change my direction. I need to change where I'm going. I need to represent Jesus and represent my faith in a greater way than I ever have before. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I I did a lot of ministry this week. There's a gentleman that that came up especially to see me that within just a few moments of being in camp handed me his phone from a message from his wife. And I won't go into a lot of details of the message, but it was, it was a pretty long, it was basically a book. He said, you're going to have to read a book. But basically the gist of the message was, I know that there's so much within you that God wants to bring out of you what's happened to you. And so at the end of the message, he goes, what am I supposed to do with that? And I said, is she right? And I said, you know, the greatest thing that we can do in life is just own it. I said, you just need to own it. You need to call her. You need to ask a few questions about the text. And then you need, I said, what are the three things that Peter says are the main plights of life? And he didn't miss a beat. He knows the scripture. He goes, the pride of life, lust. He just listed them all off. I was like, and I go, so which one are you going to let hold you back from what God wants to give you? And he goes, none of them. And there's a rest of the story, but 
I want to say this today. Sometimes in our life, the pride of life of us just saying, I need Jesus. I need a touch. I need a change. I need a different direction. I need him. I need his blessing. I need his hope. So without anything, you don't have to bow your head or anything. I just want to ask you today, if you're here and that's you, you need a direction shift in your life and you need a testimony and you need Jesus, I want you to raise your hand real bold, real bold. Come on. Wow. 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 Mm. Thank you in the balcony. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Jim, I've let a lot of stuff in this world recently cloud some things in my heart and my mind. And I need the fog. This is what I was praying while I was... How many of you know some of the best messages a minister will ever preach are the ones he's preaching to himself or herself? Anybody got what I'm saying? This one's very powerful for me today because I'm preaching to me. Lord, let the fog of this world go away so I can see your direction and I can hear your voice. How many of you are out there today? Lord, let me see, let me hear, let me know, let me be ready today for you. I want to pray for you today and specifically those, those first people that raised your hand so boldly. I want to pray a blessing over you. And if, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, many of you that raised your hand, I know you, you do and that's not my... You raised it. But for those of you that may not know the Lord as your Savior, today's your day. All you have to do is say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me, change me, and direct me, and guide me, and lead me, and put me on the path of your righteousness. And in an instant, he will forgive you. Father, I thank you, and I praise you this morning. I thank you this morning for this amazing time we've had together. I thank you for the worship today. Lord, I thank you for the theme of this worship being about our testimony and being about you wanting to change. You are the God of this land. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will not serve the God of man. Can I hear an amen? We will not serve the God of man. And Father, however we've gotten entrenched in that, however we've gotten frustrated with that, Lord, recalibrate our GPS from heaven with your presence. Father, we want to hear your voice and nobody else's. We want, to, we want to hear your word and know the plan and the instruction. And Father, we want to be obedient even in the little things. Lord, even as simple as don't take this off ramp, take the next one or the next one. Father, whatever, whatever we can do to be a witness and a testimony and a light for you, Lord, I pray that you will, you will do that for us today. Minister to us today. Lord, I pray for each and every one of these amazing individuals. Lord, I thank you for this great church. And Lord, the voice that we have in the basin of Klamath Falls and abroad around the world. Father, use us more greatly. Even if it's someone that walks in. <laughs> Happened to me yesterday at the snack shack in Lakeview. Lady I haven't seen in years walks up and says, Pastor Jim, is that you? I just found out this week I have have a lump and and I've gotten the stats back and I don't know what to do and right there in Snack Shack me and Charlene and her grabbed hands and believed you for healing Father it's not the big stuff sometimes we think we get locked in on the big things and Lord you're about to do a big thing in America and you're about to do a big thing in the world I believe it but Father it starts with the build up of little things with your people Lord even watering camels matter Father, bless us, I pray. Use us this week in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Give the person next to you a high five and say, go get them, go get them. 
Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit refugecity.church for more information on how you can become a part of that team. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, you can take a screenshot and share it on your social stories, and make sure to tag us at Refuge City Church. Thanks for listening.